The Holy Gospel of our Lord, according to St. Luke. Glory, Glory to, to you, you, Lord Christ. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And the people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today, and tomorrow, and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often will I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Amen. We join Luke's narrative today in the pilgrim journey to Jerusalem. If we look at Luke's gospel, it begins with the birth narrative, the introduction, and then the ministry in Galilee, and then in the middle of the ninth chapter, we see Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And from there until about the middle of the 19th chapter, Jesus goes in the countryside, an area that Luke doesn't define, perhaps the region of Samaria. It's a wilderness journey. And like the temptation narrative we read last week, this wilderness journey is a journey of transformation, a journey of testing, a journey in which the disciples and those around Jesus experience his presence. And as Jesus travels from Galilee to Jerusalem through Samaria, it's nice to take a step back and look at the history of this region before we dive into our text. We heard God's kingdom promise to Abram in our Old Testament lesson. Indeed, God has fulfilled that promise. God leads the 12 tribes of Israel the descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob, Abraham's grandson, out of Egypt into the land of promise. In time, these 12 tribes are united under David as king and then under his son Solomon. 
But Solomon's son is an unwise ruler and the kingdom is divided under him into Judah and Israel. Jeroboam leads Israel away from Judah and Jerusalem and immediately sets up idols at Bethel and Dan, lest the people return to Jerusalem in the ways of David. Idolatry eventually leads to the destruction and exile of both kingdoms. Israel is exiled first and led into captivity by the Assyrians. And the way that the Assyrians build their empire of conquered peoples is they take some of the people from the conquered kingdom and place them into another place and people from that other place into this kingdom. And so they divide the family and clan and tribal links between peoples. They make them not, no longer Israelites, no longer Edomites, no longer Syrians, but all Assyrians mingled together. This is their way of control. And it's this region that was once Israel that becomes what we read about as Samaria. And we fast forward to the first century and we find in this region an ethnic and religious mix of Jewish and other cultures in the centuries-old divisions between Judah and the people of the region. And into this mix comes a someone from the crowd. This someone has insight and recognizes the identity of mission of Jesus as the promised one. He addresses Jesus as Lord. And this is a sign in Luke's narrative that the person gets who Jesus is. And then this someone asks, will those who are saved be few? Is this one of the Galileans traveling with Jesus saying, is it just going to be us? Or is this a Samaritan wondering, is the restoration of the kingdom for us too? Or is it limited to the kingdom of Judah? Or perhaps it's a member of one of the religious sects that thinks they are the ones that have it right. A Pharisee, an Essene, a Sadducee. One of the beauties of Luke's narrative is that he gives us just enough information to wonder. And in our wondering, we're able to see ourselves in this question. Do we wonder if the kingdom is large enough even for me? Or do we wonder, is the kingdom so large that it includes them? Whoever we think of as them. Jesus answers, refusing once more to take sides. Instead, he reorders the question. Jesus instructs, strive yourself to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Again, Luke gives us just enough information to wonder about this narrow door and see our own questions and our own striving. In my wondering, I see in this the invitation to the kingdom identity, the invitation to put aside all the ways we have of dividing ourselves and claiming a small identity, an identity based on race or tribe, ideology or theology, Judean or Samaritan, Jew or Gentile, Pharisee or Sadducee, white or black, liberal or conservative, Protestant or Catholic, Calvinist or Arminian, Texan or foreigner, all the small ways we might try to find our identity. 
But instead, we have this glorious invitation to know ourselves, not in a small way, but as beloved children of God, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So let's test this wondering a bit in the text that we have before us. Jesus goes on to talk about the coming kingdom. The door will be closed and many who thought they were entitled to enter will find themselves outside. They'll pound on the door and demand entry. But the response will be, I do not know where you come from. I don't know your nation or tribe. I don't know who your father is. You don't know who your father is. We hear echoes of John the Baptist at the River Jordan telling the crowds, Do not set your hope on being children of Abraham, for God can raise up children of Abraham even from these very stones. We hear echoes of Paul writing, In Christ there is no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free, no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Jesus the Christ. We hear echoes of John writing, See what love the Father has for us, that we should be called children of God. And so you are. The way of the narrow door is the way of finding the fullness of our identity and security in the very love of God as his beloved children and as citizens of his eternal kingdom. We hear the call to transformation in this invitation to the kingdom as Jesus continues. But then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say again, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. The invitation to know God as our father, to know our identity as beloved children, to know Jesus as Lord in our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven is not a casual acquaintance. We had dinner with you and we liked what you said, mostly. But some of it, no, it challenged what I really wanted, so I'm just going to set that aside. Paul puts it differently in our epistle reading. He says of those who are outside of the kingdom, we hung out with you, but we chose to allow our belly to be our God and our shame to be our glory. We chose our own destruction. The narrow door does not have room for us to carry our idols through it with us. Jesus continues with another jab at those who see themselves as entitled based on their tribal or clan or position. They find themselves on the outside of the great feast. And they look in and see the, they see the patriarchs Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, along with all the prophets, and along with all those who have accepted the invitation to transformation, the invitation to know their identity as beloved children. Jesus said that those who are invited will be gathered from the north and the south, from the east and the west. Again, Luke leaves a space to wonder. Is Jesus speaking about the Jews that have been scattered to the nations? Or is he talking about the Gentiles 
from all the nations who are invited to participate in the kingdom. Or perhaps both. For the ways of status and identity present in the kingdoms of the world are upended and reordered in the kingdom of heaven as the first are made last and the last first. And then, then we see the direct challenge of the kingdoms of the world against the kingdom of God as at that very hour, some from the Pharisees come to warn Jesus about Herod Herod, the client king of the Roman Empire, a pretender on the throne, an Idumean. Not only is he not of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of kingly descent, he's not even of the tribes of Jacob. Herod, in possession of earthly power and status, is set against this itinerant preacher and prophet the one that Luke has gone to make great pains to let us know is of the lineage and heritage of David the king. Jesus responds with authority and purpose. Go tell that old fox. Tell Herod about true authority and power. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my course. The Lord of heaven and earth indeed has authority not only over earthly affairs, but also authority over the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Jesus looks ahead at his destination in Jerusalem, where on the third day he will indeed rise victorious over sin and death. And then Jesus laments over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophet and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood and protects them under her wings. The beautiful invitation to be gathered under the protection of the only one who can protect us. The invitation to live as beloved children, as citizens of the eternal kingdom. The invitation and the freedom to resist and to rebel. To choose to rely on ourselves, to rely on the kingdoms of this world, to cling to dust. You were not willing, behold, your house is forsaken. Your house, your clan, your tribe, your inheritance, and status according to the kingdoms of this world have no meaning in the kingdom of heaven. The lessons of this wilderness pilgrimage and this clash of kingdoms are difficult and troubling. They present a very narrow door before us. So how are we to strive to enter through this narrow door and participate in the eternal kingdom. Paul gives us a beautiful picture of how we walk in community as beloved children. We heard him write to the church in Philippi, imitate me, set your eyes on those who walk in confidence as citizens of heaven, trusting that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord who will save us, the one who will transform, the one 
to whom all power has been given. Set your eyes on those who walk in this community before you and live as one worthy to be followed. This invitation and reminder that in the community that is the church, we have the dual role and responsibility. First, to seek and discern those who are examples for us, those on whom we set our eyes to follow in the equally important responsibility to live and walk knowing that we are an example to others. The youth is examples to the children. The young adults is examples to the youth. The older adults is examples to the younger adults. The infants is examples to those of us who would be wise. Some of the greatest lessons that I find in walking as the beloved come from watching the infants and the children. Last week we were sitting right here after the service a group had gathered to converse. I was sitting actually right where you are, Alyssa, and Johnny comes up to me, lifts his arms up, crawls into my lap, and places his head on my shoulder like this. A beautiful rest. That's been my prayer image all week. The call for me to rest in the hands of the loving Father. Amen. Oh, the beauty that children can teach us. So, on this second Sunday in Lent, the second Sunday of our wilderness journey, I invite you to this table. And as we come with those words that Jesus promised, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, we are confident that indeed we have heard his teaching, that we are eating and drinking in his presence. We come seeking to know who we are in him. We come to be gathered into his love and his protection. We come seeking to live as citizens of heaven. We come looking for those who we will follow, setting our eyes on those who place their confidence, identity, and worth in the name of Jesus alone. We come knowing that there are those who will follow after us. We come knowing that we're called to live in a way that others imitate us and know the love that Jesus has for them. May it ever be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.